Welcome to Small Simple Steps. This is episode 29. My special guest today is none other than Steve Rajeski. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Coach, good to be here. Great to uh, spend a little time with you. Oh, it is. Steve's calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And there's a reason for that is he is the University of Michigan assistant track coach. However, we can't jump that far down the line right away. We got to we got to back up. Give us just a little bio background of uh, how we know each other. <laughs> um, it probably goes before me, you know, just uh, you being a longtime Faribault County resident. And, you know, I think my my mom or dad or yes. somebody, you know, knew your parents just being frost folks and my mom working at the hospital all those years and that type of thing. But, um, you know, my first recollection of you is keyboarding in in uh, probably fourth or fifth grade, probably fifth grade <laughs> in Dan and Sarah Duden's class. Oh, my is uh is my recollection and and that started kind of a uh a love affair with basketball a love affair with uh buccaneer basketball and uh a few years of uh managing and and uh videotaping games and yes towels and basketballs at practice and all that good stuff uh through high school and um you know and then just uh continued to have a great relationship and friendship with you and college and adulthood. And so it's, uh, oh, I mean, it goes back to me being, I don't know, how old are you in fifth grade? <laughs> yeah, 12, probably 10. Yeah. That's you probably know, a pretty good guess. And you know what, as, as I think about it, you probably gave more to Buccaneer basketball than any other student athlete that we had because of when you started as a manager and how much time you put in, I mean, you were almost like my adopted son there for a <laughs> few years. <laughs> there, there, yes, pro- probably, especially, uh, you know, take away the, the B squad year of hanging out with, uh, with Terry Barnes and yep. uh, spending the year with Barney. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I look back on those, some of those memories with, with those guys and, you know, they were so good to me and let me hang out with the high school boys. And I thought I was, I thought I, that was everything. And, and, uh, the friendships I still have with, you know, Matt Holland and, you know, Tom Kuchenmeister wow. and guys like that, that let me hang out with them as a, as a little kid, you know, it was pretty neat. So, I mean, that's a lot of things have gone from that, you know, Chris Fernholz, Brian Helmster, all those types of guys. So, Absolutely. Um, so it's pretty neat to think back on, on that and, you know, how that's, you know, shaped me and helped me and and the fun stuff that I got to do that you know not a lot of other kids got to do one of your claim claim to fames though in high school is I don't know of a too many athletes if any other than you that in one spring season went to the state tournament in two different sports tennis and track am I right yeah yep yes absolutely and then after that he goes to St. Thomas he gets his de- degree in education and a student taught at Benilde St. Margaret and then got a, well, you, you have to help me out how you ended up at Kent State, which, you know, we, we love mascots and the golden flashes of Kent State. Um, in fact, if we just push forward just a little bit to where you are right now, where you are 
assistant coach at uh, for the Wolverines. Uh, that's pretty big time. And uh, you, you're married to uh, your lovely wife with two lovely daughters. And, uh, you know, I just love being able to see you when you come back and, you know, you, that I don't know of another person who is a graduate that is as loyal as you, because when you come back, you literally make sure that you look people up and see that to me means more than you will ever even recognize just because I mean, you've you've done extremely well to be where you are, and yet I see it on Facebook, and I and I see how you uh, reach back to everybody. But um, it's kind of a tough time right now, and not just the coronavirus, but what's going on with uh, what has happened in the cities uh, with this tragic um, homicide uh, of George Floyd and. I know that uh, you've been paying, you know, pretty close attention to it because of all the family and friends that you have back here. But uh, Steve, for those of you who don't know, um, was probably, well, let's let's figure out when when you graduated, um, you were one of the few that was not a white Caucasian for for Blue Earth. Um, And so Tell me what you had said earlier to me about how you felt you were raised. Um, well, number one, I, I had a great upbringing, um, incredible parents. I mean, as an adopted child, you, you realize at some point in life that, um, you know, the blessing that, that adoption and, and um, you know, the opportunity that you don't know any different, but that you were afforded, especially for me as a, as an infant newborn being Mm -hmm. adopted. And so, um, just like you don't control where, who you're born to, you're not, you don't control who you're adopted by either. Right. And Um, and you almost died, um, at birth. Is that correct? Or yeah, I, I don't know the details at birth, but I was, I was very malnourished. I spent, um, my mom could say for sure, yes. but I mean, I spent quite a bit of time at Children's Hospital and at, at Albert Lee Hospital, wow. incubation, all that type of stuff. Um, I think I want to say I was maybe three pounds when I arrived, mm-hmm. give or take, coming yep. from I remember from that India. story. Um, and so, so yeah, so I mean, you know, looking looking at at an upbringing of you know w- wonderful people and um, a small town that you know at the time you sometimes feel limited by and feel small but at the same time as you get older you you reflect and you just you can't imagine life differently and you Mm -hmm. you the things that maybe you felt like held you back or was small and limiting or whatnot you know then turn into things that were blessings you know of relationships and you know you speak to you know me reaching back it's because I'm a relationship person Mm -hmm. um, and I reach back to people that poured into me or that have made a difference in my life you know, and so I think it's, you know, I look back on my raising and, and my time, you know, 18 years in, in Blue Earth and, you know, still have family there and close friends and, and people that are important and, and um, you know, like anything else. But I think growing up where we grew up at the time when there was no social media and there was no right. you know, technology, I mean, you, you didn't know what you didn't know. 
Um, I guess I was, I was fortunate enough in high school where I was involved in a lot of different things outside of, um, that got me outside of, you know, Blue Earth, Faribault County, Southern Minnesota, whether it was peer helping things or things at the state level or sports or camps or whatnot. And so I was blessed enough where I made relationships and friendships, you know, around the Midwest, around the state and the twin cities. So I, I was able to have some, some outside interaction um outside of just you know Fairbolt and martin county um and, and look at how that tied you in to what your occupation is i mean what you do is all about building relationships you know when you're on that recruiting uh, trail and i'm sure all of those experiences must have you know kind of been layers at building this ability to excel at the level you are I, yeah I, I mean I think so if anyone anyone that coaches at any at any collegiate level it doesn't matter if it's the level I'm at or you know I was a student at St. Thomas which is a division three school and have had friends that were junior college coaches you know it's you know it is relationships it's it's sales a little bit yeah and obviously being good at your job Um, but yeah, I think layers is a great way of looking at it of, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, work at this level, but I have the perspective of being at the lowest level of NCAA as an athlete, you know, where there is Mm -hmm. no scholarships and there is not a lot of frills and whatnot. Um, you know, so I think, and coming from a small town and having lived in the urban area and, you know, throughout the Midwest, you know, I feel like I'm able to connect with people, um, and a lot of different levels, a lot of different ways. And so. Um, I think that that all those, I think layers is a great way of, of putting it. Cause that it really is, you know, there's some truth to that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your perspective of things with, uh, um, how, how this is, uh, sure. continuing to unfold and it's just incredibly tragic in so many ways at yeah. an already difficult time, but, uh, it's, it's unpeeling or it's peeling back layers of things that people didn't recognize that can, can you just share your perspective? Sure. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you and I talked earlier, I think um, going back to kind of your initial, your previous question of, you know, my upbringing and growing up in, in blue earth um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily experience anything, you know, from a, a racial or undertone or injustice side, you know, that was really um, obvious or, you know, explicit or like, you know, in my face. Right. Um, you know, I think growing up, there were there were some times where I, you know, I would get called names that, you know, are would be racist or, or derogatory, um, but it wasn't on a super consistent basis. It wasn't in a, a consistent like bullying form, you know, that we mm-hmm. see so much today. You know, bullying probably had a different term. It wasn't really a term you know, 20 years ago so much, but, um, so in that way I was very isolated, you know, Mm. isolated and, and probably better word is insulated, um, to that, you know, where I knew I looked different, but I wasn't necessarily treated different. Um, you know, but also I wasn't raised in a traditional, you know, black, brown, uh, Mm -hmm. minority type of home either. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's not the point. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not. I was raised like a kid, like any other kid in southern Minnesota. Sure. You know, it's kind of my point. And so, um, 
so from, from that end, you know, it wasn't until I started, you know, even going to college wasn't a large, large, diverse population, but I also was living in the Twin Cities. Mm. And so spending time at different places, whether at the U of M or Hamlin or, you know, different schools and friends and interacting and those types of things, I did start to be exposed and exposed is the wrong word, but, you know, meet and, and greet and get to know and um, build relationships with people that you know, didn't have the same background as I, I, I did or didn't look like me or had different life experiences or, you know, any of those types of things that provided more and more diversity and diverse interactions um, to my background. One, one, and this started when I was at BEA, was I started um, working for Dads Make a Difference, um, mm. which was taught for many years and may still be at Blue Earth. But I became a trainer for them and then I actually did, was yep. an intern for them. And I, that was a group that for sure opened my eyes. And, you know, I interacted with a lot of different people from different walks of life, especially just urban walks of life um, that I, I started to build some relationships with. And so, you know, and then obviously getting into coaching and recruiting kids from every walk of life and um, background and, and ups and downs and tragedies of, of with kids over the years and any of those types of things that, you know, that maybe have been race related, maybe have been um, a different characteristic connected to but I think it all it all comes back to you know what your exposure is and um the relationships that you have because a lot of times you'll hear folks say well I have friends that are Asian or black or brown or Hispanic or um I have friends that are girls or guys or elderly or young or whatever your you know um demographic is that you're talking about but having a relationship or a friendship with somebody that is different than you in some way, shape or form doesn't necessarily, you know, validate that you have an understanding of what it is to walk in those shoes yes. or live that life and walk out that their door every day. And I think that's where we are so much missing the point of, you know, what maybe a lot of this is, is coming across as and what the real life experience of so many people I mean, I, I repeatedly see and hear friends talk about um, having the talk with their son. Mm. I never, no one ever had a talk with me. Wow. Um, because I don't think it was anywhere on anyone's radar in my home. <laughs> you know, it really wasn't. Like, yeah, you the, know, ta the talk would have been the, like, my thought of, if someone said, hey, we got to have the talk, I'm thinking the birds and the bees. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I'm, Absolutely. Not, thinking, I'm not thinking of the talk being about, what do you do if a police officer comes up to you or what do you do or what don't you say? What don't you wear? Mm -hmm. What don't you, where do you not be, you know, what times of day or night do you not be certain places or any place at all? Right. Um, you know, that's, that's a talk that, and I have two daughters that are Brown mm -hmm. and there's going to be some level of talk that I'll have to have with them. Right. And my right. wife will have to have with them, but having a, having a black son, and that being a talk, um, you know, or worrying about, and don't get me wrong. My, I think my mom still worries about me on a daily basis, <laughs> you know, but she's not worrying about me in the same context yes. that a, you know, a minority parent, you know, black mother, you know, black father, those types of things, mm -hmm. what they're worrying about on a daily basis, if their son is going to make it home every day, right. you know, safely. Right. Um, and, and, you know, here's the, you touched on it. I think it's a really, really really huge point and that is uh you know judging 
you know, don't judge, you know, looking at, um, for instance, looking at you and then looking at uh, someone else that uh, um, is a person of color that uh, you might be thinking, well, they probably had the same type of upbringing. That's, you know, you're, you're saying your upbringing was completely unusual, but um, you, you also might see someone who might be, um, you know, very successful. And you're thinking, well, you know, they had a privileged upbringing. Mm-hmm. You, we don't know yeah. that. And, and right. you, you can't judge. Right. And that's one of the things that's happening in uh, our whole United States. In fact, the world right now is there's just so much judging going on. And uh, I think a lot of it has, this is like, I digress here a little bit, but a lot of it has to do with social media and uh, the sure. things that are, are thrown out there. But, um, um, you know, go, go ahead and c- continue on with uh, what, what you have experienced or you have, you recognize that someone else in your life has experienced that, uh, you know, m- might be like completely different that people don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, we, 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 the word privilege is getting thrown around a lot and especially, you know, connected to white privilege. And I don't, Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, white privilege isn't that you live a privileged life of you have everything you need and everything you want, but it's the, it's the privilege to go about your life of, if we think about going back way back, like pursuit of the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness or whatever the quote is. Um, I should know that as a social studies teacher, I guess. (laughs) Um, you know, that to me, that's the privilege, mm-hmm. like the privilege to wake up every morning and chase your dream and, and to be able to live your life in a way where you walk out the door and you may not have a care in the world outside of the things that you can control where, you know, that's the privilege. Right. And I think that that's where we're missing the point of, cause you get some people that I've seen, a, again, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of people come out and say that they are self-reflecting and analyzing their own bias and their own kind of mental cognitive, you know, approach to what is happening. And, um, and the hard part is like, not everybody is going to speak up and go hold a sign and, you know, go, go to Minneapolis and, and protest peacefully. But I think it's beyond that of, you know, people really having communication with one another, asking. Coach Rajeski. Yes, sir. All right. So. Uh, yes, I, I accidentally pressed the hang up on my, <laughs> on my phone and, uh, I apologize. No, nope, no problem. You, you were on a roll. Do you remember no. where you, where you were, where you left off? Yeah. I, yeah. Just, a, just a little bit. I think, I think it, it, it continues to go back to people getting outside their comfort zone and having authentic conversations with people. You know, it goes back to mm-hmm. communication relationships, um, and it can't be just surface. Cause I mean, if I, if I have a coworker that doesn't know anything about my background, I'm not going to necessarily just unload on them of, you know, here's my sob story, my pity story, or my, you know, my life story or this thing that happened to me. But hopefully this opens the door to conversation of, you know, people who aren't aware or, or have empathy, but are unsure how to place it mm-hmm. with, with folks. Right. I think it, it opens the door for ideally that conversation to understand the bigger picture. And, and I, you know, when we talked earlier, you know, it's are the same people that are coming out and 
enthralled with the rage and the, you know, that was, that was homicide. That was murdered. George Floyd um, deserved better. And, and those police officers and every police officer, not a bad police officer. Like I, I do firmly believe that it's, it is, it is a small segment and demographic that have, you know, maybe, maybe had this before they were ever police officers. And then through right. their experience as police officers, it has grown or whatever, however it has happened. But I think the, the outrage becomes when we see this and there's yes. no end result in these, in these other, you know, Eric Gardner, Jamar Rice. I mean, you, you can go yep. online, uh, you know, Aubrey and, and in Georgia and, um, you know, absolutely. But, but I think if you then back up even further of the outrage um, of so many Americans um, over Colin Kaepernick's peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the uh, Martin Luther King's quote is, you know, riots and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but riots, riots are the voice of, of the unheard. Yes. You know, of this is not just, this is not just over George Floyd. Right. This is much, much, much greater and bigger. And, and I'm not, I'm not one to at all to be okay with, with looting and destruction and property damage and those types of things. But at the end of the day, it's collateral damage to, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, who's doing it and who's, mm-hmm. who's not responsible there. No, the correct. majority of people are protesting. I feel like, you know, in a, in a positive way and um, in a peaceful way. Um, yeah. Yep. But- and and you, you hear um, during these protests, when there's civil protests, they're saying, no, we are not going to when it starts to get edgy we're not going to go to that that's why we're here is to protest peacefully to prove that uh, we can do this the right way but one of the things i want to uh, kind of finish up on here is what you talked about with uh, getting out of your comfort zone and we've on this podcast a few times in these first 28 um, um, podcasts we've talked about that and and the, the thing that we can't do is we can't think that, okay, things are getting better, you know, just because maybe the protests at some point are going to ease up and we can go back to our normal life. Because if we do, right. then no change will occur. No. I mean, if you look at that Colin Kaepernick, and there are so many people who have bashed him. Yes. But when you think about what he gave up, Right. to make a stand because he recognized the position he held in life was one in which he can make a difference. A platform. Yeah, for a sure. A platform. It's, yep. it's incredible. I have more respect for him now. Right. And, and maybe just even the last couple of days because I'm, I'm getting it a little bit more now because of all of the things that yeah. are happening and surfacing and and so you know that's the thing we got to get out of our comfort zone and we can't allow things to just slide back and it's it is all about like this podcast is called small simple steps and i know that you in your entire life have made small simple steps dating back to uh when you were first this young child, I, I look at uh, where you were and the path you took, and you know you did not have a difficult 
life. We're not going that direction because you didn't. You had loving parents who nurtured you and and gave you values that have uh, made you who you are. But you have had to jump many, many hurdles and overcome many things to get to this successful position that you're in with this wonderful life. But, um, you know, it's never done because life is a journey. And so, Steve, this has been absolutely awesome. I love uh, seeing and hearing from you and your wisdom um, is uh, is amazing with what you do with people. Um, you, you are definitely a people person and you're in the right profession to uh, be affecting young people's lives. So I uh, thank you for being on my our podcast. And uh, as I always sign off is I we all want everybody to stay awesome. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, Coach. Great to spend some time with you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. See you, my man. See you, Coach.